This is the podcast for March 19th, 2010. It's the Jeff Glass and Blue Gal Podcast. chat salon at my blog. I have a salon every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, which is just typing, not uh, talking. And uh, there were some, it's mostly progressive bloggers. And for some reason, the topics are very wide ranging, but the topic went on to what is known as the furries. Are you familiar with the furries? I am. The discussion came up and, and the, the, the line was drawn with several of us about sex with animals. Yes. And that if yes. you're actually having sex with an animal. And you're not um, a Republican. <laughs> well, this, yeah, we didn't talk, yeah. we didn't even talk about Hayworth yeah. tonight. Yeah. But if you're at <laughs> horse sex. Yeah, horse sex. The Republican yeah. way. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> I'm sorry, would but Ron, what would Ronnie say? Oh, yeah. you betcha. <laughs> and and um, show us. I'm we, sorry. We show just... us on the anatomically correct. Mr. <laughs> where the horse where the man, touched you? Where the, where the horse touched you? Yeah. And we were just, no, we were just draw, saying, you know, okay, there's no way that with animals that it's consensual. And <laughs> someone on the salon right away typed back, "Oh no." <laughs> <laughs> The sheep signed the documents. That's right. They were that's written right. up by John Yu. Oh yeah, yeah, that's bad. E W E. That's bad. I I don't want to go here, but I can't help saying, "What's that, Lassie?" <laughs> you want me to put panties on you with lipstick? <laughs> you know, there's 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 a lot of wrong things. It's, I feel the wrongness of so many bad paths I could go down right now, closing on me. Okay, I want to ask you a question. This is I'm not seeking absolution from you, <laughs> Drift Glass, but I want to ask Good, this It's not within question. my purview to give it. So, <laughs> But I do want to ask this question yes. about Sarah Palin. And you oh. and I talked about this before, yes. that our podcast on Sarah Palin and porn. Trademark. Trademark. Was... <laughs> Was the most popular episode by far that we've done. Right. And today I did two posts, and one of my posts was on Sarah Palin's uh, Hey Progressives, Let's All Set Aside Our Differences and Gape at Sarah Palin's New Hairdo. Ah. And it was just a little toss-off post. Yeah, yeah. But it was picked up by Google News. It was picked up by... I mean, I had a third more traffic today, uh-huh. not counting, you know, when I when I link myself someplace. <laughs> and and but, I'm sitting over here being shocked, right? Right. Shocked. And and you know, you the difference between our lowest um, heard episode and the Sarah Palin episode, which is at the top, is like 2,200 v- listens. Yeah. 22, okay. 2,200 pe- more people. 
Uh-huh. Listen to Sarah Palin and porn. <laughs> then listen to how to keep the political faith. <laughs> so what you're saying, Blue Gal, is four out of five perverts surveyed <laughs> yes. prefer no, the Sarah Palin the porn there. post over yes. everything else. Everything. Well, not everything else, but because we're, yeah, we're but doing, I'm, I'm really grateful. Spread. Thank you, everyone, by the way, for listening yeah. to us. You yeah, the, it's the un- idea that it's you, unreal. That only 1,300 people listen to our lowest. Yeah. Well, it's, for, astonishing it's astonishing to me. astonishing. We're just sitting here shocked. Thing? You know? I don't <laughs> know 1,300 no, people. No, and, and our blogs don't get, I no, mean, together not. don't get massive traffic like the like no. the podcast is. And I'm just delighted that it's doing that well. Uh, and thank you, everyone. And email a friend this week. Uh, yes, and that's let, right. And let them know so that. Each <laughs> the, one teach one. <laughs> But Bring them to the light, boys and girls. <laughs> Bring them to us, and we will. Apparently, I have absolving powers. Now, now we. So. Well, this is this is what I want to ask you because there was a. I was going around to see who was where the traffic was coming from, and mm-hmm. there are there are a couple of blogs, you know, totally devoted to Sarah Palin and mocking her and getting upset about her. Some of them are based in Alaska. Some are based elsewhere in the country, but um, just totally devoted to you know either stopping her. I didn't right. go to any of the of the blogs that are about, you know, Sarah Palin saves America or anything like that. But there are a couple of blogs that are really uh, devoted to, well, like Mudflats. You know, that was right. really, yeah. that's been around all through her, even before she was nominated yeah. oh, well, you to know, be the vice president. That's what that's, brought it do, to. They do what journalists used to exactly. do. Exactly. They really yeah. covered her and and, yeah. and are to be commended for that. But I saw some criticism on a couple of blogs about, you know, she shouldn't be, Fox should never have her on the show, and, you know, she might be pitching a reality TV show, and isn't that awful, and she should be, she shouldn't be doing that, and she shouldn't be doing this, and I'm sitting there thinking, we're all using her to get attention for our efforts. I mean, you and I, when you and I did the the Palin and Porn, it it wasn't with the intention of no. getting 2,200 no. new listeners. No, it was. You it know, was that wasn't our motive. I, but. The, well, yeah, the point being, it, you know, the difference between, um, you know, <laughs> I think I've made this point somewhere before. Uh, the difference between, you know, pornography and or smut and erotica is lighting. You know, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's uh, it's well, yeah, it, and, yeah. It, but and I think there is a difference. There is a difference between reporting on her. And giving her a platform. Absolutely. There's so, a, there's the salacious yeah. attention paid to her for salacious reasons. Mm-hmm. And there are really good reasons to observe her as a cultural phenomenon and mm-hmm. as a signifier of a, a lot of people's sort of – this is what – And some very is, dangerous trends in our society yeah, as well. This you is, know, this yeah. is what – We have the, to talk about that. This yeah. is what the subconscious of the right wing – Look you like, know, yeah. Upchucked. You know, this is yeah. what they came up with. This mm-hmm. is this is the manifestation of their deepest subconscious mm-hmm. dreams. Mm-hmm. Yep. And by looking her at her, using her as a lens through which to examine that phenomenon, I think that's a completely legitimate thing to do. Uh, yeah. Thing to do. And I think that is at least, um, I, I know what, that's what you tried to do during our conversation. Yeah. I always try to veer it over into the, you know, the smutty because <laughs> I'm a cheap laugh kind of guy, but. Um, I think between us, we we put a little. We, you know, we gave it a tw- we gave we gave it a, a panache, yeah, yeah. And a unique twist, one I've yeah. never heard anyone no, else. No, exactly, exactly. And one that I've heard people, you know, people have gotten back to me saying that was a really interesting, uh, unique take on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it, you know, if your heart was pure, 
and you washed your hands very thoroughly three or four times afterwards, then you are absolved. Okay, God. all right. Which probably leads us to health care somehow. Well, I, I was thinking it led us to Carl Rove, and I'm oh, not trying to well, change the topic away from health care, although the latest news for us, we're recording this on Thursday, Thursday night. The day the after, as we call it in Chicago. <laughs> The day, the day after, after. The day after. You know, I, I send a tweet out about, hey, any bars open in Chicago today? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Have any bars closed? Have anybody closed bar? since St. Patrick's yeah, Day? Just... Did you have a good St. Patrick's Day? Did you get to see the Green River in Chicago? <laughs> I, you know, my, my I, kids asked me about that. Is the river really green in Chicago? It really is green. It really is dyed green. Wow. And it, they go out in a boat and they throw junk in the river and it's a big deal. And no, I did not see the Green River. I have seen it a couple of times. I... I am I, I am shamelessly uh, in a sense um, I I don't act as a tourist in my own town. Yeah. I know where yeah. the cool stuff is. There's a lot of cool things that I think everybody should see. You know, and if you're <laughs> you know, we appreciate you coming here. We'd like you to leave your money and then go home. Yeah. But what Green River is one of the things that you do once or twice and that's about enough of that. Yeah. Um for for me, you know, I'm, but I'm a curmudgeon and that's, you know, that's me. It's like it's like Complaining about the winter in the middle of January in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Where the yeah. hell did you think you were? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're you're in the one of the largest Irish populated cities on earth. Yep. So I want to talk to you about um, Carl Rove. Carl Rove's dad, or just Carl Rove? No, I don't want to talk about Carl Rove's dad. I've seen the pictures. Okay. And, uh. I yeah. <laughs> no. I know. Let, let's stick to Carl it's Rove. Just his dad wrong. is sound, I, nobody needs like a, to see anybody's privates in that way ever. No, no. and you know, and he, and he didn't. And Carl Rove's dad never did any harm to anybody. No, he's a no. perfectly, you know, rest in peace. Yeah, may he rest God in peace. Rest in peace. Never did me any harm. Right. Wish him well. So, Car, so Carl Rove was on with Terry Gross on Fresh Air. Fresh Air. And she was, uh, you know, she she's Terry Gross. She's very um, soft spoken. Mm-hmm. And uh, polite, I think. Uh, we know what NPR stands for. NPR stands for nice, polite Republicans. Nice, polite, so. nice, polite Republicans, and that's mm-hmm. down here. That's definitely true. But yeah. Uh, so, she, but she was on, and she was trying to ask him the tough questions. I think I had my daughters in the car with me while I was listening to it, so I sort of in a in a very I mean this in a very good way. I had to half listen to it because but that was actually exactly the way to listen to it because <laughs> I got to pick up on how he was answering her questions rather uh-huh. than what he was saying. Uh-huh. And it was fascinating. I was so you, impressed. You saw the frame. I saw the frame. I was so yeah. impressed with Carl Rove's ability to twist and play uh, interview jujitsu mm-hmm. with Terry Gross, and he obviously—I mean, I, I'm going to next time I'm able to watch him or see him, I'm going to see if he does this with other interviewers. Because, and interestingly enough, as you pointed out in your blog, the interview was with Tom Brokaw's way too short. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to follow Four this minutes. was an hour. This was an hour with <clears throat> Carl Rove. What mm-hmm. happened when the, in the interview with Carl Rove? Every time Terry Gross asked him a question, he didn't challenge he didn't out and out lie to her and say no it never happened that way instead what he would do is challenge the question the the wording of the question almost every single time i was i heard it at least four times during the interview where he where she would say well you know your your dad there's there's a question as to whether he was gay you say in your book you don't care whether or not he was gay you loved him and and so on and so forth but what about gay marriage and you're using um, micro-targeting to 
raised people's hatred of homosexuality and there are people that accused you of um, baiting people uh, against John Kerry and so on and so forth. And, and he just said, well, I would disagree with the question and the use of the term gay marriage. We were not against gay marriage. We were in favor of traditional marriage. And the yes. courts, the courts yes. are the ones that brought up gay marriage into the traditional yeah. conversation, not us. We didn't do that. And so all of a sudden, you're, he was not talking about answering her. He was not answering her question. No. Instead, no. he was parsing her question uh-huh. into a way so that then he's, he's talking about exactly what he wants to talk about, which is traditional uh-huh. marriage. Which right. <laughs> he didn't bring up right. his divorce at that point, but no. No. and and again, Terry Gross was too polite to say, "But you're divorced, so why right. is this?" <laughs> she didn't go. Know? She didn't go personal with him. No. And but that's, but that's a problem. That is a problem. But it was fascinating to watch him do this again and again and again and say. And what what about this micro targeting and sort of just really finding exactly the buttons to push with people? Well, it's not actually micro targeting when you're actually just trying to get the vote out and right. get people who who might be sitting on the fence and feeling you know they have a job and they have a kitchen table full of bills and they have kids and they have the soccer practice and they're too busy and they may not go vote and so you're micro targeting to actually find a way to get them to the polls that's right. and that's democracy. <laughs> Which is a which is a long way of saying freedom, hippie. Yeah, exactly. You know, America, <laughs> love like, it or leave it, patriotic. But it's, and waving it's the done flag. with much more sophistication than Sarah Palin does. Because he's um, smarter than Sarah Palin. Exactly by a lot. Yeah. yeah. He's evil. He's <laughs> eviler too. I didn't he has say a capacity. He wasn't evil, but Even though he has the capacity to be ever so much eviler, because I know. was really impressed with with the the verbal jujitsu, and now that I've seen that technique in in practice with him uh-huh. i'll be sure to watch for it again but yeah evil <laughs> well and this is something that that if you you know i was i was but uh, he creates his own reality that's why that that was the thing that sort of got me long term an hour after watching the interview was when when you know we've we bloggers have the reality-based community because yes, yes, there do. was a republican operative who said you know no no we create our own reality that's right we create and, our own reality that will replace yours, and while yeah. you're debating about that, we'll create another reality. Yeah. You'll always be behind us. And it's clear that that is Karl Rove's lifetime philosophy that he oh, can't. Yeah. And, he, and, and in this interview, that's exactly what he did. He can invent any reality he, invent he wants by ma- by making her, by making Terry Gross or whoever's interviewing him chase uh, their tails, chase their tails, and and ask the question exactly the way he wants it to be framed. If I can just conjure the words in the right way then i win Mm -hmm. and that's all fun in the parlor and it's all fun in the bedroom and it's all good when you're talking but this is a guy who played with people's lives yeah yeah and this is a guy who who worked in a a white house that got hundreds of thousands of innocent iraqis killed and got thousands of innocent americans killed and cost us trillions of dollars playing these stupid word games Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and what terry gross didn't do was there's a quote that i'm I'm sure i'm gonna get wrong by napoleon about beware fighting the same way too often Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because your enemies will learn your ways of battle and they'll guard against it Mm -hmm. and she's always polite and she's always soft-spoken and she's always sort of very um nuanced and muhammad ali went in the uh went the uh, ring with George Foreman, he had to change the way he fought completely 
he went into training and developed an entirely different style of boxing than he had before. He figured out how to, you know, use his body and rope a dope mm-hmm. and, and calculated this guy would punch himself out in the heat and so on and so forth. That was a calculated risk and it worked. But you can't when Carl Rove knows you're going to be polite mm-hmm. and easygoing and nuanced, you have to come in with a friggin' knife, knives out. You know, this is what I don't think people understand about the you know the process of conversation and interview and the process of debate. When you watch the Sunday morning shows over and over again, Mm-hmm. And they bore you. It's because they've chosen a very particularly rigid style. It's all very ritualized so that nobody ever gets cut, nobody ever gets hurt, nobody ever gets dragged off the field in a stretcher. And what, what always surprises us is when a Rachel Maddow comes in and upends the paradigm. You know, she sees the frame just like you did, Blue Gal, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she breaks it. Right. Right. And that completely freaks people out because you're suddenly you're not fighting fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if if Terry Gross had been a lot more blunt yep. and a lot more harsh and a lot more, I'm sorry, Carl, but that's just a lie. Yeah. yeah. And and I'm not going to sit here and allow you to lie to my readers. So why don't you answer my goddamn question? That would he would have he would have he would probably have had no idea what hit him. Yeah. Or at least he would have been knocked a little bit back on his heels. As it was, he came in knowing exactly what to expect, and he could calibrate his game in such a way that he turned it into wordplay. Yeah, he turned it into a, a sophistry of of let's parse. You know, and frankly, this is what <laughs> this is what drove people crazy about Bill Clinton. Yeah, you know, what is is you know what does is mean? <laughs> um, you know, it's it's being and I can see doing that when you're on the stand and people are trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. People are trying to, you know, uh, run you out of office and using that as a weapon. But it's that too clever by half thing that politicians do. Yeah. That you got to know how to come after it. You got to know what you can't come. To, you can't come straight at it in a in a reasonable, rational, calm way. Right. Because it, they'll just tie you up for an hour and then you, then the interview's over. Yeah. You've got to come at somebody and you're who's free. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> And then, then they walk away yeah. and they score a victory. This is why uh, when I heard uh, Christiane Amanpour. Yeah, she's going to be. Taking um, over. Are you excited? I'm very excited. Oh, good. Um, Christiane Amanpour. Christiane Amanpour is a, a, a war correspondent. From host, CNN. Uh, who is going to be taking over the This Week desk. Um, as the permanent host. I believe as the permanent host. Yeah. Uh, vacated by George Snuffleupagus. Yes. I don't want to prejudge. Cause, no, because who knows what I've her been, bosses had, are going to tell her. I don't well, know. I've had I've had my heart broken so many times. <laughs> I, I want to see her do her thing. Yeah. Because if there's one area of American life that needs fixing, yeah. Uh, politics, of course, but our media is so broken. And as long as people believe it's in their self-interest to keep it broken, yeah. Um, a lot of other problems will never get fixed. So, I, not that she's going to do that, but yeah. I always hold out hope. Um, I just, you know, if I could wave a magic wand, my panel would be Molly Ivins and Mike Royko. <laughs> you know, in heaven, that's what heaven is like. In heaven, in there heaven, is a in heaven Molly show. Ivins is doing Meet the Press. Molly <laughs> Ivins is doing Meet the Press, and Mike Royko is doing This Week, and they're not in conflict with each other. <laughs> and they're not on at the same time. Not so you can watch both of them. Just watch, oh, look, oh, look what but she then did. Drift that. Glass would have nothing to write about. That wouldn't oh, be heaven at all. I, it would be. I would, I would, I would put my pen down. I would pen, you know, sappy fan mail to them. <laughs> I love you, Molly. 
my Kroko, when I grow up, I want to be. <laughs> Can I carry your pencil case and play softball? I love your ribs. You know? Love your Anything. sweater, Molly. <laughs> but imagine, imagine if you will. Yeah. You know, the, 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 my, my favorite literature being science fiction is all about, all about what if. Mm-hmm. What if we had a, what would a real journalism, a real media look like in this country? Mm-hmm. If we had one, think about that. Think about that podcast, people. Think about that, listeners. What would a real journalism look like in America? Not, mm-hmm. not a real liberal journalism mm-hmm. or a real conservative journalism, because that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. A real honest, you know, hard hitting investigative journalist journalism that that you could pick up a newspaper and read it every day you could you could go on television and it doesn't mean you won't have entertainment or fluff but you have Rachel Maddow's doing a pretty darn good job that's see that's the thing there are examples of it out Mm -hmm, there mm -hmm. there are little tiny green shoots out there Mm -hmm. now imagine if there was two or three networks competing to out Rachel Maddow and and it makes me cry to think they'd have to get someone with a little more of an IQ but it, it makes me sad that Rupert Murdoch hasn't found someone who's that bright and that driven to find facts to support their argument uh-huh. on the right. And and you and I have talked about this in almost every podcast, I think, the yeah. death of the right-wing intellectuals. The, the death that, of the conservative intellectual. The, yeah, the they're death gone. of the conservative intellectual. They're gone. Mm-hmm. That Part of the movement is just no longer no longer welcome at the no. door of of the conservative. Well, there is sort of a I mean there is a a um, there is a contingent, but they're like the Mad Hatter's Tea Party. Yeah, yeah. there are these sort of you know scraps scraps and refuse left over, mm-hmm. um, dressed up in rags, acting strangely, mm-hmm. talking in bizarre you know rhymes. Mm-hmm. About nonsense, yeah, um, completely irrelevant to what's going on around them, and pretending as though they're still part of the story. Yeah, yeah, and they're not. And in fact, I I had a conversation with a gentleman this evening who was a perfectly nice guy, perfectly affable. Um, uh, I'm sure he you know loves his family and is a great neighbor and so forth, and had gone to school, drumroll please, with David Brooks. Mm. Um. Or a friend of his had. So I forget how the story goes. But he was, he really, really, really wanted, you know, to be a moderate. He really wanted, no, no, centrism is the good thing. Mm-hmm. And he really wanted David Brooks to be sort of the apotheosis of, you know, a good guy. Mm-hmm. He wanted, and I, th- I could sort of sense that he wanted there to be a legitimate conservative intelligentsia. Yeah. Out there. And he was willing to project onto people who were completely unworthy of that title. Mm-hmm. You know the the respect that they have not earned. Yeah. Because what does it you know? First of all, what does it mean if you live in a country where one side of a political argument is completely dead, but that's that the political arm is lively and angry and running wild. Mm-hmm. And secondly, what happens? You know, again, if if you if you could think about moderates, rather, if you think about journalism as it could be. What would happen if tomorrow morning moderates woke up and were forced to face the fact that one side is better than the other Yep. and had to choose, had to actually grow a pair, make a decision, and choose? And you couldn't keep saying both sides are equally wrong and both sides are equally bad, and there's some good things about everybody. Uh, you had to man up or person up or nad up and pick a side, yeah. and, you had, and, you, and, and we weren't going to let you get away with pretending that – both sides are equally wrong all the time about everything. Mm-hmm. 
And because there are people out there who are just cowards. They don't want that responsibility. They don't want to have to choose. They don't want to have to judge. They don't want to have to say this person is right and this person is wrong because the consequences of saying that in a democracy as a citizen is you have to act on that action. Yep. And that's terrifying. Yep. Uh, much easier to to sort of s- sink down into the intellectually lazy, morally um, cowardly position of saying, well, you know, both sides are, are – everybody's bad. All politicians suck. Everything's awful. And you just let yourself off the hook for taking action or doing anything um, meaningful. Yeah. And I think that's just – I think that's just being a bad citizen. It's also very immature. Yeah. To To believe that, well, you know, really – what we need to do is just all uh, come to this milk toast. Mm-hmm. Um, everything. Well, and, and we liberals do it too. There's there's this sense of um, oh everything's equally valid, and we're all <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, every opinion's a good opinion. Every opinion's an, a good opinion, and no one's really wrong about anything. And the sense of, that the liberals have of everything being equally valid can hurt people and and so this sense in the on the conservative side of oh if we just move to the david brooks attitude of if we all just move to the center then we'll all get something that we wanted and and it'll be kumbaya and everyone will get along yeah no when when what's happening is we were led into a war based on a lie and torture Mm -hmm. people well but you know if we just sort of inch a little bit toward that and the other people inch a little bit away from it yeah. Then we can all all join with Tom Friedman, and in six months, uh-huh. <laughs> the war will yeah. be won. One of my favorite pre-adolescent stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the my favorite writers when I was a kid was a guy named Edward Eager, <clears throat> either Edward Eager or Edgar Eager, and he wrote a lot of stories. And one was called Half Magic. Yes, and I, Half Magic—that's on my pile of books oh, to read to my kids actually very yeah. very cool it's a great book it's a it's a wonderful book but it's this magic um talisman mm-hmm. that gives the bearer half of what they wish for mm-hmm. and that's what conservatives were given in 1980 mm-hmm. if they just wish whatever they wish for the idea that you always have to move to the center simply means that you always give conservatives half you always give conservatives half the playing field at the beginning of the game Mm-hmm. No matter how outrageous their claim, no matter how ridiculous, no matter how factually absurd it is, centrism demands that you give them half of what they ask for. So they figured out early on, well, we'll just ask for twice as much as we want. <clears throat> you know, the, the Earth is not six thousand years old; it's twelve thousand years old. How's yeah. that? How's that's a good compromise, don't you think? <laughs> and so, so it's not based on fact at all. It's no, just based on it's based on this reflexive. It's based on laziness. Yep. It's based on a lazy journalism and a lazy politics and a lazy citizenry mm-hmm. that says, well, let's just you know add them up and divide by two. Yeah. And then you know whatever we whatever, whatever the result is, well, okay, if the left had been moving to the left as hard as the right had been moving to the right, then the left would be the Communist Party at this point. Yeah. But it's not. The left looks like the right looked 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The right looks like the fascist party. <laughs> and the reason this has happened is the right has kept moving further and further to the right, harder and harder and harder. And the douchebag centrists are the people who've been dragging the left along and yep. the media along say, but just give them half. Just give them half again and half more and half yep. more and yep. another half and another half. And nobody's bothered to notice that the trend line for that has been a steady, almost direct progression but just from, less, I thought we weren't going to talk about the health care bill tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and the punchline is, ladies and gentlemen, 
But you promised you wouldn't mention healthcare. <laughs> no, that's exactly that, that's the perfect metaphor. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. It's not a metaphor; it's reality. That's, reality. The, that's the perfect example. It's <laughs> let's just keep compromising with people who will never compromise right. with us. Right. And in right. fact, they keep moving away, and we keep moving towards them. And yeah. at some point, the problem isn't them, really. Mm-hmm. The problem is us. Yep. The problem is people. The people who counsel that nice, nice man. Who just wants to be in the middle and be left alone. Yep. He's the problem. You can see where this is moving. And the idea that if we just keep appeasing, you know, yeah. this is what it really means. If we just keep appeasing crazy people, they'll stop being crazy and stop yeah. making demands. Yeah. Is insane. Yep. And the people who need to have their minds changed are the people in the middle who just want to be left alone. They want to do their brackets. <laughs> they want to enjoy the NCAA. Oh, don't get me started about those brackets, man. <laughs> they, Just don't. They want, they want to, you know, they want to watch television, and they want to, you know, they want to, they want to go to work. They want to pay for their, you know, to pay their rent. They want to put their kids through school. Right, I get right. Ninety nine percent of their life is in everybody college. has that exactly. But the idea that you just check off, you know, you check in the paper where, okay, where's Barack Obama, and where's the craziest son of a bitch in America today, and let's whatever's in the middle of those two is where I should be today. And you know who lives on that little plot of ground? Tom Friedman, David Brooks, yep. and Andrew Sullivan. And they make a fortune. Fortune living. at it, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the problem. They will always counsel compromise for one side of the aisle. And you know why? Because we're the adults in this equation. There you go. We're the grown-ups. And, the, and ultimately their argument comes down to, look, the right is so crazy and so dangerous and so reckless that we cannot reason with them. Yep. So we're coming to you and asking you one more time just give in because they're friggin' nuts. Mm-hmm. And I'm tired of that. I'm, I'm yep. saying, no, you know what? You built this monster. You go talk to him. You go slay it. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you help build this friggin' thing. Yep. You yep. go over and stop them. Yep. Or you sit here and apologize to me and, and agree that I was right all along. Yep. And then shut up and do what I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> because you've been, you've been wrong for 20 years. I've been right for 20 years. That means you have to shut up now yeah. for about a generation while we run the country. Yep. I believe it was Blue Gal who once said, you know, I want my country back. You can't have you can't it back. Have it. No, it wasn't me. It was that video. No. But yeah, you can't Did have you it. Vote you twice. No, you can't yeah. have your country back. Yeah. You broke it, and it's going to take us three generations okay. to fix it. Well, I want to thank our listeners for participating in the public square. We've gotten great emails. We have, and really, really we we them. would love to get more. Our email address is dgbgpodcast at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. We also have a website, dgbg. That's dg for drift glass. BG for Blue Gal Podcast dot blogspot dot com, and there you can listen to past episodes. You can uh, read more about our blogs if you're listening to us on iTunes and you've never been to our blogs before. Uh, we have links to our own individual blogs, and uh, you can if also you ever... pitch five bucks in the hat to thank us, sure. <laughs> which we appreciate you... the financial support very very much. Thank you so much. Oh, and we, we have uh, at least one volunteer um, to uh, act as a, our first guest. Oh, good. How, how that can possibly be arranged given the, the impossibly complex nature of te- today's technology, I don't know. Well, of actually, this... I hate to tell you this. It will involve a three-way on Skype is what it Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boom, chuckle, wow, wow. Boom, chuckle, <laughs> Get the, the, what do we call that? The chuckle No. What kind of music is it? Waka Jawaka music. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Excuse me, I have a pizza here for a blue gal and drift that. 
Oh, just put it over there, young man or young woman. Oh, See. oops, I'm out of money. Is there any other way I could pay you today? Absolutely. Anything. <laughs> well, you could participate in a podcast. I've heard of podcasts, Our but podcast, I've never. Podcast, yes. I've read about podcasts in, in San Francisco magazines, but I've never actually participated in one. Well, sit right down. Play us out, you sexy internet kitty, you. <laughs> This podcast is produced under a Creative Commons license, copyright 2010, Drift Glass Blue Gal Podcast.